Hey, and welcome to the Mickey and Minutes podcast, the short Disney show. I'm your host, Nick Lazaga, and this is episode 18, Holly Weird Studios. Here they are, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles! The African jungle, that must have been fascinating. Could you give us some of your impressions of Africa? Disney's Hollywood Studios is in the middle of a transition period. When it first opened in 1989, it was called Disney MGM Studios. It was designed to be a half-day park where guests can see what a working studio lot was like. It had a backlot tour that was half on tram and half walking that took two hours. It also had the great movie ride and a few stage shows. Over the years, the park has expanded tremendously, adding new attractions, shows, experiences, and even new lands. Its name changed to Disney's Hollywood Studios in 2007, and its entire focus began to shift. The days of it being a working studio are long gone. It is now becoming a park of completely immersive lands. Toy Story Land will open this summer and will give you the experience of shrinking down to the size of a toy and playing in Andy's backyard. And the highly anticipated Star Wars Galaxy's Edge will open sometime in 2019 and will give you the experience of living your own adventure on the remote outpost planet Batuu. But there was a time in between these two eras where the park seemed to not really know what it was. It experimented with random film and TV properties that seemed to have nothing to do with Disney at all. And as a result, we got some very weird shows and experiences in the 90s and even into the early 2000s. On this episode, I'm going to tell you about five of the weirdest and most random things that were at Disney's Hollywood Studios over the years. And trust me, some of these things will make you wonder, what was Disney even thinking? Okay, so I'm going to start this list off with one that might not seem so weird at first, but if you go back and watch a video of this show, you'll see what I mean. I'm talking about Here Come the Muppets. This show was in the theater that now houses Voyage of the Little Mermaid. It opened on May 25, 1990 and closed on September 2nd, 1991. The Muppets and Disney have gone hand in hand for a while now and there is currently an attraction called Muppet Vision 3D at Hollywood Studios that has been there since 1991. But that show is great and uses mostly actual Muppet puppets. Same with the Muppets present great moments in American history at the Magic Kingdom. That's not the case with Here Come the Muppets. That show featured giant, human-sized Muppets. And they were kind of terrifying because Muppets are supposed to be small. They're puppets. The show itself was kind of weird too. In the show, Giant Kermit gets a video call from Mickey Mouse, but it's an animated Mickey. That's super weird. 
Think about it. A costumed character of Kermit is video chatting with an animated version of Mickey Mouse. Why didn't they just use a costumed Mickey too? That was confusing and showed a weird disconnect. Basically, Here Come the Muppets made a bunch of interesting choices like that that just made the whole thing seem a little off. And that's why it's at number 5 on my list. Number 4 is something that was super awesome, but just felt out of place in the Disney theme park. From 1990 to 1995, you could find the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles at Disney. This is just weird and random because Disney never owned that franchise. The only real connection they had was through Jim Henson, the creator of the Muppets, who also created the costumes for the 1990 live-action Ninja Turtles movie that came out just months before their Disney theme park debut. Their show was simple. The turtles would drive up to the stage with April O'Neil in their turtle van and ninja dance to their awesome theme song. Then they would come out and take pictures with everyone. Honestly, the only weird thing about this is the simple fact that they were not Disney at all, but they were so popular that I guess no one really cared. Disney would never bring random characters they didn't own into the parks nowadays, especially not into their Disney's Very Merry Christmas Parade at the Magic Kingdom. Yeah, they did that too. The Turtles performed their own version of Santa Claus is Coming to Town with Alan Thicke from Growing Pains. Weird, huh? Number 3 is similar to number 4, but it's weird for the opposite reason. In 2001, Disney bought the extremely popular franchise Power Rangers. They produced several seasons of the show including Ninja Storm, Dino Thunder, SPD, Mystic Force, Operation Overdrive, Jungle Fury, and RPM before selling the Power Rangers back to Saban Entertainment in 2010. During that time, Disney tried to bring Power Rangers into the parks and of course, they looked straight at Hollywood Studios. They did basically the same thing the Ninja Turtles did. A team of the Ultimate Power Rangers would drive up in their weird looking Power Ranger car that had an oversized rocket engine on the back, do ninja moves as they were introduced one by one, then take pictures with the guests. The team was made up of rangers from different generations of the show. They had the Red Ranger from SPD, the Pink Ranger from Mystic Force, the Yellow Ranger from Operations Overdrive, the Blue Ranger from Jungle Fury, and the Green Ranger from RPM. But I've seen images of some other rangers featured as well. I never saw a ranger from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers though, and that made it way less cool. So even though Disney did own Power Rangers at the time, it always seemed just random, out of place, and yeah, a little weird. Okay, so now's when things start to get really weird. Number two on my list was another short-lived live show and character meet that no one seems to remember existed. And many people say that there's no way it could have existed because it makes no sense. But I remember this perfectly. I'm talking about the crazy and pretty inappropriate pet detective Ace Ventura. Yes, as in the 1994 Warner Brothers comedy starring Jim Carrey. Could you even imagine this character meeting guests in Walt Disney World just minutes after bending over and talking out of his rear end on stage? Well, that's exactly what happened, and there are pictures and videos of it out there to prove it. 
In the 90s, Disney MGM Studios was trying to become the park for teenagers and young adults by adding thrill rides and bringing in intellectual properties that appealed to this demographic. And for some reason, they decided that the 1994 PG-13 movie Ace Ventura was a good fit for the park. So, in promotion of the 1995 Ace Ventura sequel, When Nature Calls, they set up a show in the New York Street area of the park. The idea for the show was that Ace Ventura set up a temporary office at the park and would take some time out of his busy schedule to be interviewed about his movie career and meet some fans. But during the interview, he noticed a rare spider on the roof of one of the buildings, so comedy ensued as he climbed up to the top to get the spider. I have great memories of this show and meeting Ace, so I guess Disney was right. But even at the time, I thought the whole thing was a little weird because I knew the movies were definitely not Disney. The actor playing Ace said all of his catchphrases over and over and he had the over-the-top mannerisms down well. But many of the guests were disappointed with the show because they expected to actually meet Jim Carrey and were upset to find out that it wasn't actually him. The fact that Disney brought such a random and crude character into the parks is still really weird to me. And I don't think the Disney company nowadays would bring in a character like this ever again. So, if you've been hoping for a return of Ace Ventura Pet Detective live in action, you're most likely out of luck. And now, number one on my list of weird things that were at Disney MGM Studios. Goosebumps. If you were a kid in the 90s, you have to remember Goosebumps. It was a series of children's horror fiction novels written by R.L. Stein and published by Scholastic. These books were the cool thing to read back then because they were scary. The books inspired a TV anthology series that aired on Fox Kids from 1995 to 1998. The episodes were each based on a book in the series, and for a kid, they were terrifying. The episodes that scared me the most as a kid were the haunted mask episodes, where the girl puts on the weird looking mask for Halloween and it changes her and she can't take it off. Huh, it was so good. Well, Disney wanted a piece of the Goosebumps craze too. So, in October of 1997, just in time for Halloween, a new show opened on New York Street at Disney MGM Studios. The show was called the Goosebumps Horrorland Fright Show. The stage for the show looked like that of a traveling magic show and had big posters of several different popular Goosebumps characters, such as Slappy the Ventriloquist Dummy, the Lord High Executioner, and Curly the Skeleton. The show started off like the series did, with the iconic Goosebumps theme music playing and the man in black walking with the briefcase. Then Amazo the Magician took the stage. He got two kids from the audience to volunteer and performed some magic with them. Then he locked the kids in a box and lowered some spikes. But to his shock, the kids disappeared and Slappy the ventriloquist dummy came out instead. Slappy says that he is going to make everyone in the audience his slave. So Amazo tries to do some magic to make him disappear, but instead he makes Curly the Skeleton appear above the stage. Then they are joined by some other Goosebumps characters and all the villains take over the show. They throw Amazo in a cage and make him disappear. Then at the end of the show, the Lord High Executioner and two kids wearing the haunted masks come out and scare away all the other characters and we find out that they were just Amazo and the kid volunteers from the audience. After the show, guests could visit the Goosebumps Funhouse, which contained a maze of mirrors as well as some props from the series. 
The whole Goosebumps experience was mildly scary and ran for about a year, closing on November 1st, 1998. I picked this as the weirdest thing in the park's history because even though Goosebumps was for kids, it still definitely had its creepy moments. And like with most other things on this list, it wasn't at all associated with Disney. The whole thing was just really, well, weird. Well, that was my list of five weird things that were at Disney MGM Studios, aka Disney's Hollywood Studios, in the 90s and early 2000s. But I will be remiss if I didn't mention one of the other very weird things that happened there often. The Star Wars Hyperspace Hoopla. This took place during Star Wars Weekends, a special annual event that ran most years at the park between 1997 and 2015. The Hyperspace Hoopla was a big dance party show that featured characters from Star Wars dancing to popular music. It was so ridiculous to see Darth Vader, Boba Fett, and all the other serious characters having a dance-off. Now that Disney owns the franchise, they do a great job of taking it very seriously. But back then, things were different. They even had a pop-up shop called Darth's Mall. It was funny, but still really weird. It seems like Disney's Hollywood Studios went through an awkward teen phase when it was trying out all these random things to try to make it as popular as its older siblings, Magic Kingdom and Epcot. It eventually learned that it didn't need to borrow properties to be cool. It just needed to use its own properties in a more immersive way. Some people missed this old try-everything-once phase of the studios. It was really fun in a weird and random sort of way, but I for one am excited to see this park refocused and revitalized as the park of fully immersive experiences. Thanks so much for listening to the show you guys. If you liked it, please rate it and review it on iTunes and tell your fellow Disney friends about it. Look out for another episode very soon. You can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Mickey and Minutes. Find us on YouTube for some Disney trivia and other fun videos. And check out MickeyandMinutes.com for show notes, blog posts, and more. Thanks again for listening to the Mickey and Minutes podcast. I'll see you next time. Bye.